Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. So let's jump into it here today. We are going to finish our Unseen Battles series. And what we've been looking at is this scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. People aren't the problem. People perpetuate the problem, but people are not the problem. Our struggle is against the rulers and against the powers and against the world rulers of this darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. But our, our, our battle and our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against the, the devil and his demonic forces of this world. We learned, we, we learned over the last several weeks that the devil is absolutely in control of this world, that he absolutely has control. Yet we all know that God wins and the church wins and Jesus Christ wins and that we don't have to be afraid of this unseen battle. And we don't have to be afraid of the strategy against our children, against our parents, against our marriages. We don't gotta be afraid because the church of Jesus Christ wins and we are more than overcomers through Christ who gives us strength and we win this battle. And so we've been talking about this unseen battle and really this is a, a month where we focus on relationships and, and, uh, but I really wanted to take it from this vantage point. And what we talked going to talk about today is uh, I'm going to talk about being single. Now, I'm not single. Uh, and I want you to know today that I had a really hard time writing this message. I really struggled. In fact, generally, I take a, a couple of days of study, you know, and I, I'm, I can focus for about two hours and then I'll step away and I'll jump back into it. This was like all week long because I just was like, oh my gosh, I haven't been single for 20 years. The last time I was single, Twitter just came out. And back in the day when Twitter, you, know, you go look, I was one of the first people on Twitter. And this is what we did on Twitter. Hi, I'm going to, the, going to the store, and now I'm walking down the aisle, and now I'm looking at what cereal to buy. Oh, now I'm going to buy something. Now I'm going to go to, that was Twitter. back. Then. It wasn't this political cesspool of, uh, you know, stuff. It was back then, it was like, literally, I'm telling you what I'm doing. And then I realized, this is stupid. So I quit. And, uh, but if you want to see my Twitter page, Ryan Iverson, out Ryan Iverson, I don't use it, but it'd be hilarious. 20 years ago, I tweeted. And you can see what a 20-year-old ago tweet looked like, and it's hilarious. But when I dated, that's all we had was Twitter. We didn't have all these other social media things, you know. It was old school, like, you know, when you liked a girl, you would actually go and talk to her in person. <laughs> you know, you would go like, hi, I think you're pretty. You know, not just like the heck out of every photo you see. <laughs> you know, like, you know, woo, she's like, you're a creeper. No, not a creeper. See, my wife, when she met me, thought I was a creeper because I had a wedding ring on my finger. I was 20 years old. I was a youth pastor in the front of church, and I noticed her in the, in the previous session. She was wearing brown corduroy pants, had Hallelujah. And I remember them. I was lusting and God forgave me. And so I'm just being honest, just being real. And so I saw her the next session and I said, hey, I noticed you. And she looked at me and thought I was a creeper. She said, this guy's a creep. He's married because I was wearing a ring like an idiot because it was a purity ring. And back in the days we did that. And I wore it because I wanted to be, hold myself for my wife. But little did I know I was talking to my wife wearing a ring that she thought I was married. I was stupid. And so what happened was is that she ended up talking to someone and said, no, that's Ryan. He's single. I don't know where he wears that dumb ring. And uh, he's single and he's not 40. He's 21 because I look like I was 40. And anyway, so that's how it all started for me. But it's been a long time. 20 years, guys. 
So I just want to tell you today, give me some grace today. I want to teach you not from my personal opinion on what it means to be single. I want to give you biblical perspective as best I can and to help you understand the single state you're in and help you understand the battle that you're facing in your life. That's my hope today. So can you give me some grace? You know, when you go to church, a lot of times you, you hear about, if you ever do hear a sermon about singles, generally they, you know, we give you some cliche biblical statements to make you feel better. And I'm going to give those biblical cliche statements because they're true, but I'm not going to say them again in the sermon. Okay, are you ready? Singleness is a gift. It's just a season. God knows your story and will lead you. Just continue to trust in him and ensure you're working on yourself to become marriageable. Okay. We're done. <laughs> so that's, that's all the cliche stuff. That's all the cliche stuff that you would go to church and generally hear, and you would walk away feeling worse because you're like, dude, you're married for 20 years and you have two kids. What the heck do you know? So now we're going to go to the Bible and try to understand what Jesus teaches about this, okay? <laughs> if you're in today between the age of like 18 and 30, maybe even 35, you may be thinking, I don't want to get married, so I, I'm good. I don't want to go there. I'm happy with my career. I'm happy with my life. And maybe you're in that state, and that's okay. You're okay to be there. Maybe you're in the room today, and you're like, man, I want to get married. I really want to get married. I'm craving getting married. I want to have children. I want to, I'm going to get married. And so today you're here and you're, you're single in the room. And what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to identify, Jesus identifies uh, only two spots in the, in the New Testament that, that I could find were very specific about singlehood. Uh, one of them was in Matthew chapter 19, which we'll study. And one of them was 1 Corinthians chapter 7, which we'll allude to a little bit. And what Jesus was doing here is Jesus was trying to, to change a perspective on something uh, that the Judaistic or Jewish environment that, that Jesus was ministering in, even Paul was ministering in, there was a perspective about singleness. What we have to understand something is that the entire Old Testament, remember how it started, the journey uh, with, with God creating a, a woman and a man, and he, he had them get married, and their whole purpose in life was to have children. And so we look at that narrative we learned last week, and we, we can go past all the cultural norms and past all the societal realities, and Jesus says, go back to the beginning and look at how I intended things to be. I intended a man and a woman to be married and to have children. And so in the Jewish context, in the Judaistic perspective, if you were married and had children, you were living the blessed life. But if you were single and didn't have kids, you were cursed. You're glad you came today, aren't you? Let's pray. In the Old Testament, you were cursed. In fact, prophets would prophesy to people who, who were followers, the Jewish, Jewish individuals, and he would prophesy that you're going to be single. It was a curse. And so in the Judaistic perspective, the Jewish mindset, the, the, the biblical understanding of the Old Testament was that, that to be single or to, to not have children was that you were cursed, that, that you were not living your best life, that you were not blessed, that you were not doing what God wanted you to do. And so the, the challenge is, is that, that what's, what's happened is, is that the devil, I believe, is capitalizing on that narrative of being cursed. Either you're cursed if you get married or you're cursed if you aren't married. What the devil's doing is he's capitalizing on this, this unseen battle. And if we look through the worldview, the secular worldview, a non-biblical worldview of what, uh, what it means to be single, we all often, I won't say all the time, but most cases, uh, someone who doesn't know the Lord or doesn't read the Bible would often view marriage as a potentially age-old institution that doesn't have any value any longer. 
When you look at it and think it doesn't, uh, the idea that I'm committed to one person, and just a little caveat I forgot to say, I am going to talk about sex today a little bit. So if you got a young person in here and you don't know about sex, you can talk to your parents later about that. Just saying that, uh, I am going to, I'm not going to get weird. I'm not going to get, you know, you know, inappropriate, but I just want you to know that. So if you're a parent in the room, you're like, I don't want my kid to learn about sex. If they're, you know, over the age of eight, they probably already know about it, but whatever, like just telling you. So I'm just saying that to just a little, little caveat. Are you okay with that? Who okay, just gonna you know, save the email, okay? I said it, you prepared, okay, okay, here we go. So what the devil was trying to do is he was trying, I believe he's strategizing with this curse, this mindset and the secular worldview that when we look at this age-old perspective of marriage that we see that, that it is an age-old institution, that it's no longer relevant in our culture. Commitment to one person is not good. It generally just ends in divorce anyways. This idea of settling down is not something that I want to do. I, having sex with one person is absolutely ridiculous. How do you know what you like if you only have sex with one person for the rest of your life? It's a prison. Ball and chain. Stay away. Abort. Abort. We look through the secular worldview and we see that romantic relationships are no longer necessarily founded on long-term commitment or necessarily founded on the realities of what scripture would teach, but rather the old foundation of a romantic relationship as a single is one word, sex. If you spend time just looking at Netflix, the top 10 Netflix, one of them is too hot to handle. They put singles on an island and the goal of the show is who can go the longest without having sex with each other. You've got Tinder and you've got all these other apps that I am not on, praise God. I'm just going to say, because Tinder and those things, I just, I, I grieve for singles that this is the way that you're meeting people. People are swiping for one night stands and swiping for relationships. And this idea is, is that this worldview perspective is, is that really sex brings me fulfillment. Sex satisfies me. Sex brings me to this place. I might have kids one day or I might, I might, you know, be in a relationship and eventually we'll, we'll get married maybe like, but the reality is this idea of marriage is not something that our culture values as very important or relevant to today's world. And see, what happens is that this impacts Christian singles. This impacts singles who are followers of Jesus Christ because the devil's strategy, so if you're an unbeliever, it's almost like, you know, I don't want the curse of marriage, so I'm going to stay single. Now, when you're in the church, it's like if you're not married and you don't have kids, you're cursed. And in fact, I think the greatest perpetuator of this lie is the church. And I did this in the first service. I'm going to say it to every single person in the church. I, as your pastor, apologize. I have not done a great job uh, creating an environment that doesn't make single people feel like they're cursed. That you meet me, and I say, hey, how's it going? I'm single. Oh, you're single? Who can I meet you up with? Who can I connect you with? Now, that's not a bad heart. My heart's good. But the problem is, is that many times followers of Jesus walk into church and they see people with children and they're, they're busy with soccer schedule and they've got family things. And here you are all by yourself thinking to myself, they are much more superior than I am. The focus of the church is often on marriage people and children and the single people often feel like, is there something wrong with me? Am I cursed? Why is it that I can't meet that person? Why is it that every single time I try to meet a guy, it doesn't go well? Why every single time I go to church, you know, we're in a smaller church environment, and why can't there be more guys that I like coming to church? You know, I just, I, I have a list, and I want his hair to be perfectly golden brown. Not brown, golden brown. 
and I want a little tinge of green in his eyes. When am I going to find this guy? Feeling cursed and feeling like, man, you are cursed if you don't have children. You are, I'm not saying this. I'm saying this is the lie. Uh, you're going to be like, someone's going to come on YouTube right now and think this is a weird church. You are cursed if you don't have children. You're cursed if, you don't, if you're not married. This is the narrative that I believe the enemy is using against Christian singles to think there's something wrong with you if you don't have children. Or there's something wrong with you if you can, oh, they're Oh, interesting. That person's 23 and not married. I wonder what's wrong with them. Do they have bad breath? I mean, is it how they walk? I mean, do they have a weird laugh? You know, do they cackle when they laugh? You know, it's like, what's the problem with this person? They must be something wrong with them. The reality is, is that that's just not true. See, the church has accepted this ideology. You meet someone who comes to church and they're single. So, hey, hey, are you in a relationship? Do you have any kids? And they can't even look you in the eyes because they feel like, oh, man, my identity is wrapped up in whether or not I'm married or wrapped up whether or not I have children. I feel like I'm less than. This idea, this perspective, and the Lord really rebuked me. (laughs) He really convicted me said, Ryan, I know your heart's good for them to find love, but remember, every, and I'm going to show you this, every single person here today who's single, God has you exactly where he wants you. Yeah, that's good. I know that sounds cliche. And see, we see here that this strategy of the evil one is that if you feel this cursed or this way long enough, you might give up on the biblical pattern of doing your singleness or your marriage God's way. You experience so much heartache or so much loss or so much rejection. I was talking to a single person in the last couple weeks and this person said to me, man, I just, I, I, I hate men. I hate them. I feel like they keep letting me down. And every single time I try to put myself out there, they just let me down. And she said, you know what? Sometimes I wish I could just go out and meet some guy. I don't care if he knows God. I don't care anything. And just be with him because I feel like that's going to fix my problem. What happens in the Christian narrative today, the biblical worldview, is it begins to break down. And then what happens is they start to feel broken and they unwanted and cursed. And they say, you know what? Forget that. I'm taking matters into my own hands. And this decimates so many young singles. They are impatient or they have the wrong understanding of what their singleness is really about. And they end up making poor decisions, getting the wrong person, or they just rebel against the idea of marriage because it's a curse. And so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to date, 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 date. Or you know what? Maybe it's not a big deal if I have sex outside the context of marriage. You know what? There is a lie that the devil is, is, is pervasively putting in the church today. Listen to me, that sex will fulfill you. Now, I've been married for almost 18 years, and I am here to tell you today, sex does not fulfill you. Is it darn good? Sure. Hallelujah. All the men in the room are like, hello. (laughs) But let me just say this, and I'm not being crass. It fulfills you, but for a moment. You know the number one thing that my wife and I fight about? Sex. 18 years, number one thing. And I bet you if I went around the room and asked married couples, they'd say it was either money or sex. You know, the headaches she always gets. Or, you know, or, you know, not my wife. My wife never gets headaches. It's the opposite. I get headaches. (laughs) Just kidding. This idea that sex fulfills. This idea that 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 I I just if I could just be in a sexual relationship. And see, with the devil's strategy, 
in the world today is to trick you into thinking that your sexual expression brings satisfaction. We see it all. You watch a TV show and the five commercials, four of them, what are they about? Sex. Sex everywhere. Provocative everywhere. Everything's about sex. Sex, 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 sex. Everything's about sex. And so what the devil wants to trick us into thinking is that, man, if I can just get married and if I can just finally have sex, then I'll have arrived. And all the married people say, nope. We realize that this, we live in a culture that says that my sexual expression and my sexual experience are necessary for me to flourish as a human when that is not true. In order to be fully alive, I must be able to express myself fully sexually. That's not true. Now did God create sex? Yes. Is sex incredible? Hallelujah. I love sex. It's great. You guys are thinking I'm weird. <laughs> I sh your pastor should want to have sex with his wife, okay? It's a good thing. But listen, it does not fulfill. And you know what? When you get married, it does not solve your sexual temptation. In fact, I do a lot of counseling with a lot of people, and I will tell you this today, one of the number one pervasive things in most marriages is pornography. Pornography, 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 pornography satanic attack upon the minds of men and women you think that when you get married the sexual temptation stops I will say this we have you have a great strategy as a married person to be able to have sex with your spouse I will tell you that is a huge benefit and Paul says which I'm not going to mention today Paul says hey if you're burning with passion and you can't self-control yourself you need to get married like let's get you married let's talk to Pastor Ryan and I will find you a date hallelujah I'll find you one. Courtney's like, what? All these years? No, like, I, you've been with us. Never mind. I should have said that. I want to give more context to that joke, and I'm going to apologize to her later. I've tried to set people up as my point. Never mind. So if you burn with passion, you should get married. But the thing is this, is that you have to understand something. Every single person on the planet struggles in some form of sexual temptation, and marriage does not solve it. And the devil wants us to think that it does, and it doesn't, because often we prioritize sexual relationship over intimate relationship with God. And see, that's the lie. The lie is this. Maybe if I have sex, it'll fulfill me, and the reality is this. Every single person who gets married or unmarried will always have this unmet satisfaction of sexual uh, desire within them. And you say, Ryan, why? It's because God put eternity in our hearts and eternity that is in our heart. We will find ultimate euphoric satisfaction when we go to heaven and be with Jesus. We, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that there is a groaning within humans. This groaning of, of a desire for loneliness or, or, or human affection. This groaning for more. And then you get into that relationship. And yes, is it satisfied to an extent? And yes, when you have sex, is it satisfied to an extent? And yes, when you're with your children, your family, does it satisfy to an extent? But being married for 18 years, I have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old. I got to tell you today, I have found that the only place that I can satisfy that hole in my heart is in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And even then, I'm not fully satisfied. Why? Because we were not created for this earth. We were created for heaven. 
See, that's why it's important for you to understand that this groaning and this frustration in you single person is not fixed with marriage. It's found in Christ. It's the closest you will get to eternity and the closest you will get to heaven and the closest you will get to your relationship, to, to experiencing everything that God has for you is when you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. And let me say this, does, does, uh, does marriage uh, you know, bring camaraderie and partnership? Of course it does. Does, does the sexual relationship with your spouse bring great joy and fulfillment? Of course it does. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying it doesn't do that. But what I am saying is this. It does not fully satisfy. So in your singleness, I want you to understand that today, that this, this idea, and often what happens is, is that Christian singles will be on this journey for so long, keeping their focus on the idea of being in a, a, a holy, keeping myself holy until I, until I get into a relationship with a, a, my spouse so then I can have sex. And so we think, you know what? There's lots of unbelieving, good-looking guys or lots of unbelieving, good-looking girls that can meet my need real quick. It's the waiting for the, 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 the follower of Jesus that, that loves the Lord, that values his church, that values his word. That's the challenge. And sometimes we just get so frustrated in the waiting that we forget that God wants us to wait for that person to help share the same biblical values. And often what believers will do is they will go out and find themselves a person who does not love Jesus. I want to tell you today, that does not solve your problem. That creates so many problems. Paul talks about people who are married, where one is a Christian, one is not. Actually, he talks about them who uh, uh, an individual becomes a follower of God. Paul actually says, listen, don't divorce the person. Don't, don't separate from them. They're redeemed because of you. He says, so if they can't be with you anymore, Paul actually says they can divorce you. Paul says, listen, they've redeemed one another. He said, but if you're going into a relationship, Paul clearly says, do not be unequally yoked. And reality is, is that there is something happening in our, our singles today, Christian singles, where they, they're not valuing the reality of biblical relationship because they're too, it's too difficult to wait for God. And I understand the frustration and I get it. And I don't have any big Answers to fix it right now other than the cliche things I said in the beginning <laughs> that I promised I wouldn't say. <laughs> Let's look at the, 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 some scriptures in the Bible. Jesus, in the Old Testament, it was a curse to be single and not have children. And then here comes the answer, the solution. His name is Jesus. <laughs> Jesus comes on the scene and he was single. Jesus faced the same sexual temptation that you do. Jesus experienced the same loneliness that you do. Jesus experienced, the Bible says, every single weakness that you experience, Jesus experienced. And yet, 33 years, he remained single, he remained celibate, and he made the greatest impact on the world ever. In fact, think about Paul. Think about John the Baptist, single. And so we have to understand something that Jesus came on the scene and wanted to change how the church saw single people. He wanted to change how they viewed them from this, this idea that you gotta be married and you gotta have kids, which I encourage you to. I believe there's something valuable in that. Some of you here today want that, but some of you today don't want that. And you have to understand something that Jesus teaches this very important thing in Matthew chapter 19. 
Last week we talked about it where, where they, they were wanting to get divorced. And this is what Paul or Jesus says. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession because you're hard hearts. You guys were just leaving your, your spouses, just, just going on to somebody else. And Paul needed to bring some sort of structure. So he said, okay, well, you're gonna do it anyways. Your heart's hard, but let me put some structure around it. But Jesus says, that's not what was intended from the beginning. In fact, look what he says. He says, and I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife or husband has been unfaithful. Remember, I'm not talking about your past. I don't know your past. I, I can't give you a determination whether it was right or wrong, but if it's done, it's done. Let's move past that. I'm talking to people for the future. Listen, the Bible clearly teaches, unless there is unfaithfulness in your marriage, you should not divorce. I know they drive you crazy. I know you see, do not see eye to eye, but the Bible clearly teaches us right here that unless they are unfaithful, unless there is grounds for divorce, you should not get divorced. And look at what the disciples said. Jesus' disciples then said to him, if this is the case, it's better not to marry. <laughs> if I can't divorce my wife whenever I want, why should I even get married? And Jesus talks about one of the only times in the Bible about singleness. And this is what he says. He says, what I'm about to share with you, not everyone can accept this statement, only those whom God helps. And then he says this, some are born as eunuchs. Some have been made eunuchs by others, and some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. He talks about, he uses the word eunuchs. Now, Jesus here is not speaking uh, literally. He's not saying that if you feel called to be single, you should go castrate yourself. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's speaking figuratively. It's interesting that he could have chosen any, uh, any, any, any uh, example in Scripture, yet he chose a eunuch. Now, for those of you who don't know what a eunuch is, a eunuch was often, number one, were those who were celibate. Now, we all hate that word. But anyone in the room today who is a follower of Jesus and is single, you're a celibate. Celibacy basically means this. You do not have sex until you're in a marriage relationship. And so eunuchs were first celibates. They were those who were not engaging in sexual activity, not engaging in sexual areas at all until they get into the context of a marriage between a man and a woman. So he says, the, the first thing he chose to use someone who says, okay, eunuchs as a single person were those who did not act out sexually outside that context. And then he also mentions this because eunuchs were ministers or high servants to the king or queen. These were those who entire life was dedicated to serving the king. They were those who were brought into the courts of the king and they were given instruction and they were given duties and responsibilities to serve royalty, to serve the king, in which ways no one else could serve the king. They took care of their family. They took care of the, the, the little tiny details of the master's business. Do you see the picture of what God was using this word eunuch to say? Biblical singles remain holy and pure until they're married, as well as are committed and devoted to the very realities of the king and whatever the king wants them to do. They are special servants and in a season where they can do things that a married person cannot. Did you know that the single people in the room can have a greater impact for God than I can right now? 
A lot of times we think we got to get married to have an impact or have children to have an impact. Did you know, according to scripture, Paul, Jesus, what he's saying here is that people who are single are able to devote themselves to the things of God, unlike those who are married. And he uses these examples here. Now, he identifies three, and I'm going to go through this quick. Um, there's, a, uh, there's a bit of a landmine here that I'm going to step on for a second. He identifies three singles, those who are born as eunuchs. Pastors will use this to, uh, to share and preach that, that this means that referring to homosexual lifestyle and that they are born that way, and that's not biblical. Never in the entire uh, canon of scripture has there ever uh, been a synchronicity between eunuchs and homosexuality. Not only that, that thinking would go against the very truth of scripture. And so what this is talking about here is really Jesus is referring to those who are born with the inability to have sex. We would call them asexual. 1% of the population are asexual. Those who are not, do not have the ability to, to, uh, to, to, uh, pr- uh, to reproduce. And so therefore, he's talking specifically to those who are born in a manner. Now, you could surmise that this speaks to those who struggle in their life with same-sex attraction. Those who've experienced trauma or hardship or throughout the course of their life, something has gone on in their, in, in their heart and their mind that has now brought them to a place where they're struggling with same-sex attraction. And what Jesus is talking about here is that those individuals recognize that they cannot experience themselves sexually outside of what the context of the Bible teaches as truth. Therefore, I'm unable to be in a marriage relationship with the same sex. I will not get married and dedicate myself to the work of God. And we see here that he identifies as this as the first single landmine over. Second one is this. Some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. This is talking about those who have the gift of celibacy. Those who feel called to be celibates. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 7. I wish everyone could get along without marrying, just as I do. But we are not all the same. God gives some, look at this, the special gift. The gift, that's the word charismata. That's the same word Paul uses to describe the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It is a charismata gift, a gift from God. Uh, In others, he gives a gift of being able to stay happily unmarried. So I say to those who aren't married and into widows, better to stay unmarried if you can, just as I am. Okay, so here's the third category. And this is where many of you are at today. Some have been made eunuchs by others. Now, what Jesus is referring to here is that these are eunuchs who were forced to be eunuchs. These are individuals today who want to be married, who want to have children. But you, you, you know how hard it is? And I can imagine when, how hard it was for me when I was 20 to find a date, let alone you guys today. How hard is it to find a great godly relationship of someone you want to marry? Raise your hand, single people. Okay, it's hard. It's difficult. So what he's saying here is that these are the individuals who are, I call the waiting period of their life where they are in a place of their life where God has them there for a specific purpose so that they are in a season where they want to get married, where they want to engage in a relationship, but life has forced them to be in this situation. What Jesus teaches us here is very interesting. He teaches us that, that this holding pattern, this place that you are in right now, This place that God has you is the place in which God can use you the most in your entire life. God can use you for his kingdom in ways that he cannot use your mother and your father or the pastor on the stage who's married. Every married person in this room cannot 
Do the things that God has called you to do like God's called you to do it. In fact, when Jesus came on the scene, he walked with his disciples as a single man for 33 years, and he died and he rose on the third day. Matthew chapter 28. He looked back at the original mandate of man to say, be married and have children. Physically reproduce the earth. And he came all the way down to Matthew chapter 28, and he looked at his disciples. He said, listen, I know that that was the mandate, but all the authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And now I'm saying to you, go and make spiritual children. He removed the mandate off of this idea that it's just about the physical impact of family and said, now I want you to know today that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are single here today, you have the capacity to make spiritual children and to see God's kingdom expanded unlike anyone else in the room. You are important to this church. Your ability to expand the kingdom of God, to do things that we can't do. Why? Because it is a supernatural grace for you in this season to recognize that you're being married and you're having children. God may have that for you, but in the meantime, recognize time is short. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that's what Paul says. Listen, the reason I'm encouraging you not to get married, Paul says, is because time is short. And you can do things that you cannot do as a married couple. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And all you do, I want you to be free from worry. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man can't do that so well. He has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. My heart's divided between what God wants and what my wife needs. Look what he says. In the same way, a girl who marries, she faces the same problem. A girl who is not married is anxious to please the Lord in all she is and does. But a married woman, this is the Bible, I didn't write this, must consider other things such as housekeeping and the likes and dislikes of her husband. I am saying this to help you, Paul says, not to try to keep you from marrying. If you want, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few other things as possible to distract your attention from it. Do you see every single person here today has a supernatural opportunity to make a difference, a historical world difference in the world today by expanding his kingdom simply because you're single. Lost people finding Christ because you're single. Making spiritual children because you're single. Launching ministries because you're you're single. God led businesses because you're single. There is an opportunity in this season for you to take your focus off of the next stage and get your focus on this stage and recognize once you get married, you are distracted. Once you get married, you can't go back on that. You don't get this season again. You don't get to do this again. You don't get to be used by God in supernatural ways in which God calls you to do things that you can't do when you're married and have children. Now, I know there's great fulfillment that comes from being married. I know there's, there's satisfaction there. One of the greatest attacks that the devil has on single people isn't just sexual temptation, but loneliness. And here's the lie. Your loneliness will be fixed with marriage. How many of you married people know that that's just not true? Yes, you get satisfied a little bit, but man, I'm lonely sometimes. Sometimes I I feel like there's a disconnect. Why? Because that can only be filled with Jesus. My wife, when we were first married, she moved to the States. We were there and she, I went to work and she was at home and couldn't work. She 
call me, Dad, I just miss you so much. Like, uh, uh, she was just so sad, so upset. And finally, I, after like a week, I said, Stephanie, I cannot help you. I cannot satisfy you. You need to go get your Bible. You need to go on a walk. You need to talk to Jesus about it. And that day she made a decision. I'm not gonna find my identity in my husband. I'm gonna find my identity in Christ. That doesn't change. Now, how can we help our single people? Listen, if you're in the room today and you're married and you have children or you're married and you don't have kids, we need to invite these single people into our home. Yes, they'll keep you up forever. We had a couple of young adults there the other night and they kept us up so late. I was so tired. Come on, tell me, dude, seriously. I'm trying to go to bed, bro. Like, like you know, the, yes, they, they have children or they don't have children. And yes, they stay up late. And yes, they can talk forever. And I love it. But I want to tell you today, married people in the room, listen, stop giving these singles cliche information. They already know it. Right? I'm lonely. Well, then just pray to Jesus, daughter of the Lord. It's like, no, just hear them and feel where they're at. And I know you have the answer. And I know you can say, hey, you're just months away from finding your spouse. I know that. Build community with our singles. Allow them into your home. Invite them over for dinner. Let them talk about the struggles they're having that you know all the answers for because you've been through it. Let them talk. Let them vent. Let them share it. Cry with them. Grieve with them. Feed them a bunch of cake. Make them feel amazing. <laughs> Listen, your problem is they can't find a date. And my problem is, is that my back hurts and I'm 40. And so they're like, hey, Ryan, why don't you go exercise? I'm like, well, shut up. That's how it feels when we say to them, well, you just need to pray more. It's like, shut up. Can I just be in your home and just hang out and just be with you and learn how to have a good marriage and how to have a good uh, children? Like, I wanna encourage you, church, come on. Let's invite these singles into it. This is how we curb that loneliness for them is we be the church. One time in the book of Acts, did you ever see the book of Acts talk about single people? No. You know what you see? Body. Church. Together. So married people, you have, a, you have a mission. I want you to find a single person in this room without an agenda to get them married. <laughs> and I want you just to have them over. And when they say, how's it going in your single life? And they start to express how frustrating it is. Don't interrupt them and say, oh, I've been there. But guess what, brother? In one year, it's gonna happen. Don't do that. Just shut up. Just listen. Say, that sucks. Want some more cake? And what we do is we create an environment where singles don't feel like they're cursed, but they're a part of the house. Now, I know I took a lot of your time during this series. I make a promise we're going to go back to not taking so much of your time on Sundays, but this was a, a heavy series. Thank you for giving me your time today. Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray for our single people in the room. If you feel called to be a celibate, praise God, you've already got that spiritual gift. I want to pray for those who don't feel called to that. Come on, right now, Lord, we just pray for every single in our church, God. First, we pray that they would feel welcome and feel at home and feel loved. We pray, God, they feel encouraged in this season of loneliness, the season of sexual temptation. Lord, would you help them in this season? Lord, Father, we as your church commit, God, to no longer treat them like they have leprosy or something. <laughs> Lord, we invite them into our lives. We invite them into our hearts. And we pray today, God, for every lonely single, every hurting single, every mistrusting single. We pray that, God, that you'd fill them with your grace and fill them with your love. And Lord, help them know that, Lord, the best is truly yet to come. But right now, Lord, in this moment, they can make a difference for your kingdom. Let them accept that mission in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Come on.